Steve, so if you guys could welcome him, he's got a few words to share with us this morning. Thanks, Micah. Uh, Very cool movie that you guys did, Micah. I know some of that story, but it was cool to get a little caught up uh, on one year of Awaken. And um, as I was getting prepared to share with you guys this morning, uh, I I asked God for a prayer for you all that I would share with you, sort of a happy birthday one year prayer. And uh, so I want to share this with you. It comes from a book actually called uh, Gorillas of Grace by Ted Loader. And so this can be a prayer that might carry you all uh, for the next year until you get to two. So let's pray together. Oh God, let something essential happen to us. Something more than interesting or entertaining or thoughtful. Oh God, let something essential happen to us. Something awesome, something real. Speak to our condition, Lord, and change us somewhere inside where it matters. Let something happen in us, which is our real selves, God. Amen. Well, I am in a little study group with Micah, and um, a lot of the material that you're going to hear this morning comes from that little study group. I believe one of the best ways to enter uh, the text together is with other voices, and so perhaps even much of what you'll hear comes from his brilliant and amazing mind, which captures many more things than my mind captures. Uh, But I love being in it with him because Micah has just such an interesting and thoughtful view of the scriptures. And so many insights come out of his mind and out of his mouth. It's very helpful for me. Uh, But I want to start with some questions, two questions in particular. And the first question is this, what does it mean to be in slavery? And the second question is, what does it mean to be free? What does it mean to be in slavery? And what does it mean to be free? And I think in America, that's such a weird question. And in You know, the 21st century, that's such a weird question. In the suburbs, that's a very weird question. What does it look like to be in slavery? But I think that if we dig just a little bit, uh, we would tap into the reality that we are enslaved to many things. Maybe some of you are enslaved to a relationship. And maybe it's even a good relationship about 65% of the time. But the other 35% of the time, you're acting as if you need to be someone in order to be in that relationship. In order for that person to accept you, you need to do several things that are not really who you are. And so you're enslaved in a a small way. Or maybe for some of us, these are really obvious and easy ones. It's a chemical that's kept kept us enslaved. Maybe it's a drink or two every night that just helps us keep the edge off of our lives. And so we go there. Just a drink or two. Not a huge deal. But it's something to which we're enslaved. I think another thing can be a pace of life. That when we ask each other, how how are you? Our answer is usually pretty busy. Man, things are kind of crazy right now. Things will slow down once, dot, dot, dot. But things are pretty busy right now. But I don't think just behaviors are where we can be enslaved. I think many more times it's a frame of mind that keeps us enslaved. 
so many of us are caught thinking that you are not enough. You are not enough to hold that job and to be yourself and be accepted as who you are in it. So you better pretend to be someone else. If someone that you were with or the friends that were around you knew that secret about you that no one else knows, they would surely walk away from you. Not right away. They would be polite. It is Minnesota. But pretty soon they would start walking away from you. And so you're enslaved to a way of thinking that you're not enough or that you don't have enough. If you just could get to this phase in your life or in your relationship or with your finances, then you could be better. So what it looks like to be enslaved is a little easier to answer than what it looks like to be free. But I want to take a look at a text found in Exodus where the children of Israel have been delivered from Egypt and they're making their way to the Red Sea to cross the Red Sea. And, you know, we've all seen various films that depict this crazy scene, wall of water on the right and left, and they go through. But I want to read to you a couple of verses uh, that, that, that happen right before they get to the Red Sea. And so uh, in Exodus 14, verses 1 and 2, the Lord said to Moses, I want you to tell, the, and, and that's just a weird thing to even notice right there. The Lord said to Moses, and then here's some directions for the people. Now, how, how many times have you gotten directions that are that specific from God? Anyway, so the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back. They were traveling south on their way to the promised land, a journey that should have only taken about a month. But tell the uh, Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-hahirath between Migdal and the sea. And they are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-zephon. Now I want to be a tour guide and walk you through a few words in the Hebrew because it really matters what they are because they tell a story. Shuv means to return. It's the word... Uh, it's the word from which we get teshuva, which means to repent, that Jesus says over and over again. It means to turn around, to change your mind about where it is that you think life is found. Shuv means to return. Now, Pihahiroth is a little inlet, it's a little bay, and what that means is the mouth of freedom. And so God is telling the children of Israel on their way to the promised land to turn back and camp at the mouth of freedom. Remember, they've been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And they're walking away from slavery to freedom in the promised land. But God says, I want you to turn back from where you're going and stop and encamp. Now, the word migdal is a word that, that signifies a place that was kind of like if you're a Lord of the Rings geek like I am. It, looked like, it looks like Weathertop. Right where, and it's sort of a watchtower where enemies could perch and look down in the valley and see for miles and miles around. And so, what God is telling the children of Israel to do is to turn back from where they were going and set up camp right at the mouth of freedom. In front of them is the Red Sea, which obviously is a barrier that they can't get across, behind them is Migdal. And their enemies would be coming down if they were going to pursue them. And they could see them as sitting ducks down at the mouth of freedom. And, and um, so that's where they're sitting. Now, 
Uh, the fourth little term there that you have to understand is Baal-Zephon means the false god of the north or the false god of deceit. And so there they are sitting directly opposite the false god of the north, deceit, uh, looking across a Red Sea that they cannot pass. They're at, camped at a place called the Mouth of Freedom, and they're starting to freak out because the Egyptians are chasing them. And God tells them, to stay camped. Now, I want to ask you, when you, if you can identify an area in your life where you feel enslaved, and it might be something very small or it might be something very, very big, how you feel when God begins to call you out of that slavery is extremely vulnerable, Right? God is calling you away from a relationship or away from a way of thinking or away from a job where you get security. And it might not be the best thing, but slavery can feel really comfortable and really good and really amazingly life-giving at times. But it's slavery because it isn't really life-giving. And the thing that you feel most at this place where God is calling you away from the slavery is vulnerable. Now, I think in, in many times um, we, we watch movies and we hear messages that call you to freedom and they paint the picture as if f- go, going toward freedom is why, why would anyone else choose slavery? I mean, freedom is right there. It's within our grasp. But the truth is, if it was that easy to just reach out and grab it, so many of us would. We would leave slavery. We would leave it behind. There's been times in my life where God has, been, God has asked me, because I think that's where it goes. God invites you to consider leaving slavery. And my answers sometimes are, not yet, God. My life is too crazy to leave that slavery right now. Have you ever been there? My life is too nuts to say goodbye to that thing that gives me comfort. So, so just be with me, God, until... I can get my life in order and leave that slavery. And into that, God says, I want you to encamp at the mouth of freedom. Now, with the children of Israel, the Egyptians were pursuing them. And they were coming down hardcore. And this is, I think, what they felt like. They had an enemy pursuing them. And they were flying toward freedom. But they felt from Moses leading them, that they were surely going to die. And so in Exodus 14, 10, we pick up the story. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Now, I love some of the language in the scriptures because it's so gritty and visceral and real. I mean, if I was Moses, the leader, I would be like, seriously, you guys. Uh, Okay, you begged me to take you out of Egypt. And now you're begging me to bring you back. Let's review what we were in Egypt. We were what, you guys? We were slaves, But now, freedom looks like dying. And slavery looks like 
home? Have you ever been there? If you are in a relationship or have been in a relationship that is bad for you, and your friends are telling you this relationship is bad for you, and you say, yeah, but you know, if I just give them a little more time, I mean, I really think God is calling me to be in this relationship so I can change him. Or a job that is killing you. And a trusted friend says to you, you, this is not life. Yeah, but what else would I do? Or a behavior that you have to stop because it's killing you. Maybe it's pornography or whatever it is. And your friend has said to you, please, please walk away from this. The slavery feels like home, and freedom feels like dying, doesn't it? And here's the deal. That's how you know that God is calling you to freedom, is that you feel like you're going to die. That's how you know. And for some of us, I think all of us are enslaved to something today. And to the, de- to the degree that you're ready to move toward freedom, to that degree you will feel the vulnerability that you are dying. So you need to hear a word from God in this moment in your life that will give you hope. And so here it comes. Exodus 14, starting in verse 13. Moses answered the people, And remember, this is when they said, it was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here to the desert to die. If I was Moses, I would have bailed on them and said, I'm going across myself. Moses answered the people, this is the grace of a leader with wisdom. Do not be afraid. And I love that that's his first words to them because when you're standing at the mouth of freedom, about to leave something that is enslaving you, Your feeling is fear. To leave it would mean leaving behind something comfortable and something that feels safe. And so what grips you is fear. I can't leave it. No way. Moses says this, Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now, when you're feeling fear and vulnerability, your enemies are closing in on you, you're looking across, uh, and what you see is an impassable Red Sea. As a metaphor, that means I can't move. I'm stuck. My enemies are behind me. The Red Sea is in front of me. I'm directly opposed by the false god of deceit, and this is where I think Satan lies to us and nails us and says, you're much better off staying enslaved. You're much better off comfortable and safe. You're much better off not taking this risky move toward freedom because if you do that, you might die. And I think the voice of deceit in my life isn't so obvious. It's just very subtle. It sounds so much like wisdom. Don't go yet. You can go tomorrow. You can leave tomorrow. Just don't go today. Today's a terrible day to leave caffeine. I mean, you got a huge meeting coming up. Do it tomorrow. 
Tomorrow you'll be more ready. You can get a good night's sleep tonight. Today is not the day to leave her. Really, today is not the day to leave your girlfriend. I mean, she's having a tough day. She's having a tough week. You need to stick by her a little bit longer. I know she's destructive. We all know that. But maybe she'll change. Today is not the day to have that tough conversation with the person that you know you need to talk to. Yeah, you've been enslaved by their opinion. Yeah, what they think matters way too much to you. But today is not the day to move toward freedom. Today is the day just to, you know, store up your courage. That's what the voice of deceit sounds like. And when you're standing at the mouth of freedom with your enemies closing in on you and the impassable Red Sea right in front of you and you're directly opposed by the false god of deceit, these are the messages that you hear. And the message from Moses is the message for you. You need to stand still and wait for the Lord to fight for you. This, this picture I got from Brene Brown's website. She's a woman who has written some books that um, have been instrumental for me. But I want you to look at that. And here is a woman standing firm, looking off into the distance where the sun is rising. Here is a woman who is saying in my mind, in my interpretation of this piece of art, I am ready for what life will bring. I am ready for the adventure of moving toward freedom. I am so tired of being enslaved by people's opinions and people's thoughts of me and what I should do. I am ready to follow the call of God on my life toward freedom. I am ready for the sun to rise in my life. I am ready. But instead of a picture of running, it's a picture of standing firm and standing still and allowing the Lord to fight for you. And that is a fundamentally different stance than the enemy who would also say, okay, today is the day to leave or to have the conversation or to quit or to move or to do this, but you got to do it all on your own. It's all up to you. So you better gird up your strength and you better do it. You better say it perfectly and you better take care of everything and you better make sure every single I is dotted and T is crossed because if you don't, you will be all alone. So here we go. All right, you want freedom? It's all up to you. That's the other voice of deceit. And so the children of Israel, led by God and led by Moses, we see in Exodus 14, starting in verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back, the impassable Red Sea. He created a way across with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. In this moment... God was returning the children of Israel to their roots. God was saying, you've been slaves for 400 years. It's all you've known. Those of you who've grown up in slavery, it's all you've known. But it wasn't always like that. And so the writers of these few verses are making it really clear with um, the waters were divided. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And the phrase with the waters divided, there's another place in scriptures where we see that. And it's in Genesis, in the very beginning, when God divides the waters, the sky from the sea, the clouds from the sea. And so it's a hint to 
redemption and recreation. The, the term east, God is bringing a mighty east wind, speaks to the garden of Eden. So there's this moment where the children of Israel are being returned to their roots. They're being given a new beginning. Because when you stay at the mouth of freedom, when you're encamped there, when you can have the courage to wait for the deliverance that the Lord will give, you are given a new beginning. You're returning to what God made you to be. And this is huge, huge news. In 1 Corinthians 10, this is such a, uh, an amazing thing that I hadn't read before in the last couple of years. But for I don't know, this is Paul writing, for I don't, wanna, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. This is speaking directly to this story that we just read. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ, even back then. So here's the good news for you as you journey away from the slavery that you're in. Just as Jesus accompanied the children of Israel thousands of years before Jesus was born, Jesus accompanies you on your journey to freedom. Whatever that is for you, Jesus promises to accompany you, helping you to stand firm and stand still when you need to, helping you to move when you need to, helping you to do what you need to do. And so I leave you with some questions. As you think about whatever is enslaving you right now, and again, it could be something huge. You could know it right away. This is it. Or it could be something very small and very insidious. But the questions are this. Where is your mouth of freedom? Where is God calling you to sit and encamp and wait? What is the area that you need to turn from and camp at the mouth of freedom? Where are you enslaved? The second question is, what step do you need to take to return to the mouth of freedom? What conversation do you need to have? What concrete action do you need to take that will help you take one step away from slavery and one step toward freedom? Third question, what messages are you hearing from the false god of deceit? What messages is the enemy whispering into your ear about why it was such a bad idea to leave slavery? I think it's important to write those out because they sound so wise. Today is not the day. It would be ridiculous and foolish to do that right now. Do it tomorrow. What are the messages that you're hearing? And fourth, what does it mean for you to be still and stand firm? What does it mean for you to actually believe that the God that led the children of Israel through the impassable Red Sea can also lead you through. So I'm going to pray right now. I want to invite Micah back up, and he's going to lead us in one more song. But I want to pray for you in this, because I think there's something that God might want to do, and only God can do it if you are enslaved to something. And so let's just pray together. So come, Holy Spirit, into this space, past eloquent words or, or songs that are well sung, and into our hearts. Come into this moment, God. And speak to these, your children, about areas where they are enslaved. 
Give them a whisper of wisdom about what it is that you are going to do in their lives for them on their behalf. The spiritual food that they can eat, the spiritual drink that they can drink, that is you. God, speak to them in a way that is from you and only from you. Give them what they need to hear right now, God, so they can stand firm and wait for your deliverance. They would have the courage to turn from where they are enslaved and turn toward you. God, give them grace and forgiveness as they struggle with guilt and shame. give them a picture of what freedom looks like walking with you being accepted by you being nourished by you the spiritual food and spiritual drink that only comes from you that really satisfies give them a picture of being satisfied because that's what freedom looks like to be satisfied in you no longer chasing after things that can only enslave us. So come, Lord Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit.